Welcome to the next edition of the Career Conversations podcast, brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group. I'm Craig McGregor, and today we have a great conversation with a, a local politician, Jenny Aitchison. Jenny is a New South Wales State Member of Parliament. Uh, she represents our city here in Maitland and the Hunter region of New South Wales, Australia. And this isn't a political podcast, and I really want to thank her for that. She could have used this to you know, push her agenda and her party, and she doesn't do that at all. This conversation really focuses on career and, and how she became a politician and, and why she became a politician. And we talk about her early life in, in Canberra and, and then her change in career in running her own family business. And we also then focus on, you know, go behind the veil a little bit and talk about what a politician actually does on a day-to-day basis. Uh, it's really great to hear her and, and talk about the change in the political landscape and, and we do focus a little bit in some parts of the podcast about social media and how that has impacted the life of a politician and how it's different, uh, would have been different for politicians pre-social media age. Um, I thank Jenny again, she was fighting a cold uh, due to this conversation so she really uh, struggles through at times but does a great job in terms of uh, getting the message across about how important her job is, but also how passionate she is to represent our city here in Maitland. So please sit back and enjoy our conversation with the member for Maitland, Jenny Aitchison. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group. People-centric recruiters, HRG looks to use technology and personal interviewing techniques to ensure the best fit possible for both the candidate and the employer. We operate labour hire and temp services for various sites, conduct permanent recruitment searches and have an innovative program we call temp to perm You can find us on the web www.hrgroup.com.au or search for us on your favourite social site, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. Whether you're an employer looking for a fantastic new team member or you're an individual seeking their next great career move, Start a conversation with Hunter Recruitment Group today. So welcome to the Career Conversations podcast, Jenny Aitchison. Hi, thanks for having me. It's really great to be here. So my first question, so for those listeners, Jenny's our state member um, in the New South Wales Parliament for Maitland. Do I have to call you the Honourable no, Member for no. Maitland? No, no that's so only that for work? ministers. If, okay. if I get to be a minister, then I'll be Honourable. But shadow ministers, members of parliament, we're just people collectively we should yep. be called honorable members yep uh but individually it's if you're a minister and once you leave the ministry whether you leave parliament or whatever you can keep the honorable but you have to apply to the parliament to do that ah so i've got to become a minister become an honorable person hey? yeah bugger <laughs> well i don't know if that's exactly what people expect but yeah excellent so let's start with now for your career um yep. So tell us, you know, we get to see politicians on TV and mm-hmm. read about you in the paper and see you at the at the polling booths. Mm. How do you become a politician? So for me, I'm a political party member, so yep. I joined the Labor Party many years ago. I think it was 1992 or 93. Um, and I did that because I was really committed to social justice. It was... Uh, um, you know, Hawke Keating government had been in government for 10 years and... Um, and I was working in social justice in the Department of Immigration in Canberra. And I just was attracted to the policies. And so I joined. And then I sort of moved away from Canberra and I was in a small 
community in the New England, Walker, sixteen hundred people. Yeah, and we'll get we'll get to that yeah. later on, I think. So, but yeah, so there wasn't much opportunity, and so yeah, I okay. kind of, I but I always maintained my membership. I just didn't participate. And about uh, ten years ago, oh, twelve years ago now, I started getting active in Maitland in the Labor Party branches, and just not to become a member or any, like a member of Parliament, but just to you help just want to be do a part things. of the yeah the Labor movement. Yeah, and yep. then coming into 2015, we decided that we wanted to have someone in the field early for the um, election, so I decided in 2013, yeah, it's time, I want to do it. Yeah, okay. So, <clears throat> again, most people just see, mm. see you as, a, as the face of it. How does, yeah. how does all that happen? Is there, like, um, a voting process in the party? Yeah. Is it, how does it work? Yeah, so you basically you have to stand for pre-selection. And so here in Maitland you would go, I'll put my hand up and yeah. I'd like to represent Maitland. Yep. Yeah, and then they'll, have a, they'll call a, a pre-selection on and then if there's another member there'll be a ballot. Yep. Um, there was a fellow who wanted to run against me for pre-selection. So a, a Labor person yeah. to pick? Yep, okay. Yeah, but he'd only been a member of the party for about six weeks, so yeah. um, he wasn't eligible. You've got to be a member for a year, so they, that we get to know the yeah, members okay. beforehand. Um, yeah, we do do community pre-selections very rarely, um, but that is something where they will open it up to the wider community to do as okay, well. Okay, so the Labor Party could just go, hey, we're looking for a candidate... And mm. someone from the community could put their hand up and say, "Yeah, I'd, I'd like to represent you at the next election." Okay. Yeah, is there a process from so the, there's a Maitland um, Labor Party membership? Yep. Is there like a vetting process above, or how does that? Yeah, work? yeah. So you've got to fill in all these um, forms, and you know, yep. basically everything up to working with children checks, and yep. um, you know, agree to criminal checks and all that sort of thing, just to make sure. And then also you have to be really honest about your life because. Everything that I've done could end up on the front page of the Daily Telegraph or another yeah. paper. Um, so it's better to be honest. It's a bit like a security briefing if you go to become a public servant or something. It, it's not to say that people can't come to a political party and have a unique background, but they just have to be able to stand up for it, you know? So Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm. All right. So, yeah, so you get the approvals and mm -hmm. um, the local membership say, great, Jenny's going to represent us in the election. Yep. Um, step backwards a little bit. Mm. We always ask the question on this podcast, yep. tell me the why. Why did you want to be an elected politician? Yeah, I think I just was so angry after 2011. We had been really bad as a government, like Labor had. Uh, but what happened after that was just the cuts to, ch to workers' compensation, the change of the scheme, the women's refuges, like cuts to community counselling. Um, they just were impacting on the community and I just was so angry and I thought I can be angry about it and just that consumes me or I can actually do something positive. And um, particularly things like the hospital, you know, I really wanted that to be a public hospital. That was probably my biggest why and I just felt like we had to fight for that. So you thought you were a good advocate or you'd be a good person to be able to represent the region yeah. for that big um, piece yeah as well as all the other pieces so yeah I think that was it and also I think for me because there's different ways of representing your community yeah this is a bit this is one of the biggest yeah so it's a big I'm, I'm gonna guess it's and we'll probably go into a little bit more it'd be a big change to your life once yeah. you were elected yeah it is a, it was a huge change I think the other thing is like I'm really passionate about women getting involved in decision making and like Vicky Woods and Bron Ridgeway and I, we set up the Women's Network in 2005 and it was about 
particularly just getting more women into decision-making roles, whether it's council or parliament. And I think the other thing that really activated me was that what happened with Julia Gillard and the way she was treated, I just went, actually, a lot of people will be turned off by that, but we have to just fix it. And you can't do that from outside. So that was the thing. But in terms of lifestyle, so a lot of people ask, particularly women politicians, about how we balance everything, you know, family and that. Because it's a big job. And it is. But, um, you know, when I was away with my tours before Parliament, I used to be away sometimes two months at a time. Yeah, okay. No internet. Set yourself up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get into your previous career a bit later on. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Our family kind of works with travel. Yeah. But it's not just like, what I find really fascinating about your role is, um, yeah, and, and so you were in travel before, yeah. but now you almost have to be an expert in everything. Yeah, <laughs> actually, a tour like, how operator. Do you, how, do you, how do you how do you handle that? Like, you know, you're going to have members of the Maitland community asking you questions or asking funding or getting involved in a massive variety of different things. Mm. How do you stay ahead of it all? Well, you just have to ask people and. For me, I was involved in quite a few community organisations on the, on the board of a couple of not-for-profits and things. So I had um, a fairly broad background in a lot of things. Uh, and then just as I've gone along, people come and reach out to me or if I don't know something, I'll ask until I find someone who knows about it. Um, and then in the broader context, actually being a tour operator was good because I'd actually gone out and looked at a lot of different industries as part of that. So I have a, a, a broad understanding of a lot of things don't know a lot about individual things at times but you know you you do research and that's the great thing about this job it's always learning I love learning I love just really diving deeply into an issue and trying to work out how it works how we can improve it that's something that I'm really passionate about yeah okay and it's gone quick I'm guessing Uh, how long have you been our member of Maitland for it's coming up to four years in March four years so So what's been the best bit tell me about the best bit about being that uh, I think it's really about getting to do what I love doing, which is going and meeting people, being involved, finding out what's going on in the community. That, to me, is bread and butter. I love doing the the community contacts. So when I was a CEO, you only hear about the complaints about your company like you, because basically you get to see the problems when they come through. And I think that I'd really missed having that day-to-day contact with people that you get as a politician. And it's interesting because a lot of politicians I talk to, like they don't have like having their signage on their offices and they don't like meeting constituents. And I'm like, that's why we're here. Yeah. You know, so I love that bit of it. Um, in terms of the policy stuff, you know, what have we achieved with that? There's the really big things like the hospital is, I'm so pleased about so that. So that's your big number one, you think? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like seven year fight, really. Um, but it's also just talking to people and being able to help them you know there's people in our community that are struggling with really big issues and when you do something that makes that work for them that just gives you a real sense of accomplishment and it's not something you can go out and say this is my big achievement but I just know there's people in Maitland who you know me and and my office they do amazing amount of work to make this happen we've actually improved their lives yeah, okay. That's good. What about the negatives? What's been the worst part of being the member for Maitland? <laughs> I think the trolling is hard. I mean, I don't get, you know, really vile abuse. I've yeah. had a couple of things which I've just thought, So this is wow. on- online Yeah, trolling. online. Um, 
I've had a couple of people come up and be abusive, but mostly what I find is if it's somebody's having a problem struggling with something and they just let loose, I'm okay with that because, you know, you understand people are under stress and it, by the time they get to me, they've had so many doors shut in their face. I, I get that. But the people that come up and are just trying to just be negative about, you know, anything that I do, and I just think... It's such a small number of people. I really try and not focus on it because it just gives them more, um, you know, it lets them inside my head, which yeah, is okay. not their place that, to be. It gives that more energy, I mm. suppose, doesn't it? Yeah. And I used to be worried. Like, I know there's different schools of thoughts. Like, some people block them. I don't tend to block people because I just think it actually gives them a satisfaction and then you see them they put up false... You know, I've got people who have got false um, personalities on Facebook on my page. Um, they can put their stuff up there. I think, I think social media has moved to a point where people actually understand what's real and what's not. So if I put up a post which is me doing something genuinely and people go on there and have an attack at me, I think people see through that. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think you have to have faith that they do. Yeah, it's a really different world, isn't it? Like we've... Yeah. We only, we only have a small little business here and we had one, we've, had, we've had one instance of a trial, I suppose, where yeah. I, as chamber president I wrote an article in the Mercury and a person didn't think it was appropriate that I should write such an article and mm. it was quite negative about our brand and would have had no idea. Mm. And, I, and I started to engage and write back, well, mm. I'm really proud of what I've done and you're calling me unethical. And I actually went, no, stop, because I'm just fueling the fire. Mm. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And I think... As it happens more to me, I can sometimes people ask a question on social media that you think, wow, that's pretty unfair what you've mm. just said. But then it's people have different levels of literacy, different ways of expressing themselves in writing. So sometimes when I, if I think that maybe there's a misunderstanding, I will actually answer them. And then sometimes that leads to really good conversations. Yep. So I think I always go that I'll leave it up there, I'll let them see. One thing I don't like and what I will do is kind of hide those posts so that those people don't see each other is if like one person you know Cheryl has a go at Bill or Bill has a go at Cheryl my page isn't a place to attack other people you know like so I try and hide those where I can you know I can't see every single post you know sometimes things get through and you know it could be a 24 hour job just doing social media which is doesn't move us forward but it's interesting that actually because the amount of work that we get as MPs now is just so different. Like in the old days, I was talking to Milton Morris and Kay Sharp yep. recently, and you know. So why don't you tell our listeners who Milton Morris is? Oh, so Milton if Morris, they don't know. Mr. Maitland, uh, he's uh, the uh, like a very long-standing member for Maitland, who was Transport Minister, and um, he's a lovely man. He wasn't a, a Labor politician, but he's been. So it would have been, eighties. In the eighties, mainly, yeah, yep. I think so, and um, he. Uh, he's just a wonderful person. He's it married most of the people in Maitland, I think. He's a celebrant as well, or was a celebrant as well. And Kay, uh, obviously from Hunter Valley Training Company. Yeah, so uh, yeah. He's, he's no longer... He's like the chairman emeritus, I think, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's retired. retired. But, um, yeah, I caught up with him. Oh, it must be a couple of months ago now. But they were just talking about, you know, on sitting weeks, you sort of get home usually on the Friday, and so he'd do the mail run with Kay yeah, and okay. walk down the street and... You know, really the way in his time you either got someone dropping into the office, maybe a letter and maybe a phone call, 
Nowadays, you've got... Oh, you get 24-7 access. Yeah, emails, Facebook, By Twitter, multiple, yeah. WhatsApp, yeah. everything. And, like, again, that's another thing. I've, I mean, I don't give my mobile phone out to everyone, but I do... In, you know, like, in the April Superstorms I did, I put on the radio because I thought it was important that people could contact me because all the other phones were down. Yep. So I, I just, you know... You have to live with that. And I think because I've been in business and our business was like transport and logistics, so it was 24-7 if there was an emergency. So you're used to it. And it's funny because, again, none of my colleagues, I think, would ever do that. And, um, you know, on either side of the political divide, but people actually respect it. Like, I've never had a phone call from a constituent at a crazy hour of the yeah, night. Okay. Which is, like, I think it's good. And it just shows that ordinary people are, are you know, worth it, the faith. Yeah. That you put in them. Okay, so step us behind the curtain. So Me. you've got an office here in in Maitland. Yeah. Tell us about when you are sitting. What, what happens? So you go down to Sydney. Yep. <coughs> step us through it. Yep. So I usually go down the Sunday night because it's easier to travel then, and then I try and have meetings that I need to do for my shadow portfolios. So what sort of meetings are they? So they'll be with stakeholders. So this week I met with the Australian Industry Group. Um, uh, and I've, so that's for my small business portfolio. I met, might meet with stakeholders from the domestic violence um, area. I met with my uh, federal shadow minister for prevention of DV. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just talked about things today, like in new policies that are sort of being worked on. Yep. So you work on all that. Then four o'clock we have shadow cabinet. So that's where we just talk about what policies coming up before the parliament, what our positions um, should be, what we'll recommend to our caucus colleagues to adopt. And then um, they they get um, you know discussed at caucus the next day, yep. and then we and we start sort of sitting on at twelve o'clock on the Tuesday morning or t- noon, and uh, basically the big part of the day is question time. You're sort of locked in the chamber from quarter past two to four o'clock really. Um, that's the time when things can go crazy because all the members are in that have to be there for that. So each of the three days of the sitting week. Um, but the rest of the time you're talking about legislation, community recognition statements, which are just to recognise someone, or a private member's statement, which will be something like a more long piece, so maybe five or 600 words, where I'll actually talk for five minutes about an issue yep. for our electorate. And then um, there'll be debates sort of going through there. And so you have to be across all the legislation that's coming up, what's relevant to my portfolios, what's relevant to my community. Yeah, I was going to say, because you mentioned there your portfolio stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> How do you get... Um, active for Maitland, like in Sydney, I find that yeah. interesting. Is it more so? Uh, you know, the hospital is a good one yeah. that there is debate on the parliament floor about how that's going to be structured and yeah. policy. So, are you going and meeting with other politicians and mm-hmm. fighting for? How does that work? Yeah. So, um, I met with Brad Hazard. I reckon maybe ten times. Yep. So, who's Brad Hazard? He's, for those a, listeners? he's the minister for health. So the first Minister for Health when I first got elected, Gillian Skinner, yep. uh, the first question I asked her was when would the first patients be seen in Maitland Hospital and she said when it's built, <laughs> which is not very respectful to our community and that probably started off my career of being kicked out of question time. So how many times have you been kicked out? I don't know. I think it, it's probably a dozen. Naughty Jenny. Yeah. Is that what they call you down there? No. Oh, no. <laughs> I've kind of... Is that average or is that above average? Uh, is it? I'm probably... Close to the top. I was close to the top. I probably not so much now, but it's hard because I kind of get on with the speaker, which sounds perverse, um, outside of the chamber. But sometimes um, 
so sometimes I'll get lots of chances and then other times I'll get none. So it's very hard to gauge. Like most people there so on... So speakers like the referee. Yeah, yeah. So most people there on two calls and they're on three calls and they're out. I might be on 20 calls and I don't get kicked out or I might be on one call and I'm out. It yeah, just, okay. Yeah, so it's a bit hard to sort of do that. And, you know, from our side of politics, we've had over 200 members kicked out and none of theirs have been kicked out by this speaker. Oh, okay. So maybe one has been kicked out at all, but that was by a temporary speaker, not by her. Um, so it's kind of like speaks to the fairness of it. I usually don't push unless it is an issue like the hospital or the rail line, you know, things that are actually really relevant to my yep. community. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, yeah, it does get heated. So but, and you get visitors from the local community that come to Parliament, like yeah, schools and stuff, so you yeah, can yeah. see those guys? Yeah, we had um, the Tanambit... Uh, Morpeth Probus came mm-hmm. the other week and that was great. They had lunch with me at the Jubilee Room, which is a beautiful old library in the yep. parliament, and they saw Question Time. They didn't get kicked out. So one of our groups that visited me, one of the members got kicked out because I got kicked out and then they leaned over to one of the members in the chamber and said something about that was a disgrace, that, they'd, yep. that I'd been kicked out and so they had to leave the chamber. Anyway, Excitement from Maitland, hey? It was, so... What could I say? I was proud of them. <laughs> okay. So you've got, yeah, so you've got this place in Sydney where you go yeah. and then you all communicate. Yeah. So you mentioned that you work with the other side and go and yeah. talk to whoever's the minister. Yeah. Um, has it been, well, so you're, you've been, so nearly four years. Yeah. Is it difficult to be a minister when you're not, oh, sorry, a, a member when you're not in, like your, your team's not in leadership? Is it harder to get things done, or I suppose you don't know because yeah. you haven't seen it from the other oh, side? But we get, well, you can see it. You I can think. see it. If like if you're a government MP, they generally get all their speeches prepared for them. So okay. whereas if I want to speak on a topic, we have to research it in my office, and um, I do a lot of that. So I've there's had, more resources for the government. Yeah, yeah, as and to we opposition. have the same. Like we have three electorate officers. The government has three electorate officers, but their speeches would be produced by the minister's office, so it doesn't come into okay. their gotcha. um, problems. And so, and even as a shadow minister, I don't get any other additional resources. So it's just extra work for my staff and for me. And uh, yeah, so that's probably the biggest issue. But the positive is when you're in opposition, you can really go to town if things don't go your way. Yeah. Okay. So that's something that obviously I've taken as much advantage of as I can yep. in this. Um, to advocate term. for Maitland. Yeah, that's right. Um, so step me through. So if you think about career progression, most people want to climb the career ladder. Yeah. So you became a member of parliament, but yeah. now you're a shadow minister. Yeah. Is, it, is it quick for someone in their first term to get a shadow ministry? Uh, it, well, a little bit in the sense of in the first year, Luke didn't promote any of the newbies to shadow cabinet and which I think was a good decision because it gave him the chance to see everyone and how we perform in parliament um, and obviously I got um, sleep so I think there's about five of us that are in our first term on shadow cabinet um, obviously we'd gone from a pretty small base in, you know we had 15 new members or, or I think in total there's like probably 20 new faces it's like a renewal of half the caucus yeah, okay. so I think it was likely there was going to be people who are obviously already there um, and then there was going to have to be some new people join the shadow cabinet. Um, but it's interesting for me, like, obviously I really love doing my portfolios. Like, I'm really passionate about small business. 
um, really passionate about um, prevention of domestic violence and sexual assault and I've been acting in the women's portfolio for the last six months uh, which is another one of my okay. you know pets but uh, for me it's it's just a great opportunity to focus because when I was at adventure I found it was um, hard to just focus on topics like you can get so you know yeah, so expanded yeah and then you want to you chase so many rabbits down so many holes it's easy to get overwhelmed with everything. Uh, whereas with my portfolios, I mean, they're very broad portfolios and they go across a lot of other different areas. Um, you know, small business is economic and it's also about people management. It's about, um, you know, planning infrastructure. So it's got lots of interest and the same with DV. But, um, yeah, I just find that, um, yeah, I'm happy doing what I'm doing and... I, well, I was going to ask, so yeah. that's one climb up the rung. Is there any aspirations? Are you going to be our premier one day? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. Um, I mean, I never say never. I didn't think I was going to be a shadow minister in first term. So, um, But it's not something – I don't aspire to being all that. I was CEO of my own company for 17, 18 years. Yep. So it's, it's a different perspective. I think you realise or I realise that I've just got to get in there and do my work and – you know, I'll make a contribution. And I think that's something that um, I really value is that when I make a contribution, I'm not manoeuvring, you know? So, because I don't... Is that difficult? Because it is, mm. like, and, and again, I'm speaking as a novice, it's yeah. a political game, not just a corporate game, like when you mentioned being a CEO. Yeah. All your decisions, like you say, is it a manoeuvre for political gain or is mm. it posturing? Like, is that hard to navigate? Yeah, it is. That The way it's hard for me is I kind of think sometimes I kind of say I'm going to shut up because I think people think I am just posturing. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, and in our role, you have to – you actually have to do it to a level because you've got to be a strong advocate for your community – and obviously Maitland is better serviced if we've got, you know, a minister or a shadow minister. Well, I was going to ask cabinet. that. Does, yeah. does that make a oh. difference? Because does it well, does it take you away from Maitland? So you've only got a certain amount of time. Mm. Um, if you're focusing on DV, does that take you away from Maitland or not? Yeah, so it, it does. But the other thing is that Maitland benefits. So, for example, with the two major portfolios I have, you know, DV has been a huge issue in Maitland. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's actually a benefit for Maitland in me being quite across that issue. Um, again, small business, you know, it helps our business sector. So they are actually ones which are quite germane. But I think the real benefit is that it puts you in the room at Shadow Cabinet where you can make where those decisions. decisions. Are being made. Yeah, that's right. So, so even so, yeah, good. Good thinking here for us is so if you're shadow minister for small business yep. and they're making decisions on infrastructure, um, you're still in the room. That's yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, that's right. And you have a good relationship with your cabinet colleagues, and you can you know talk to them about things. And you know it doesn't mean you get everything you want. That's certainly not the case. But it means that you can put the case, and um, you know you can understand probably where the decisions are being made and you can manage expectations, all that sort of thing. Yeah, okay. So I want to ask you now about the election cycle. Yeah. So you've been through one. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing you've probably been through others as part of mm. the, the, the team, um, yeah. team, but you weren't on the face of the yeah. placard. I, I did run as an independent okay. many years ago for council. Yep. 20, 2008. Like I was um, still a member of the Labor Party, but I ran as an independent and uh, I ran for mayor. So that was a completely different experience. It was very short, one month. Yeah, okay. And I was like... Crazy. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about, the, that experience, just the election experience of yeah, however long it is and the yeah. intensity of it. And mm. y again, you'd be going and seeing so many different groups. Mm. Like I 
I'm a part of the Maitland FC, as you know, and, mm. and I'm sure you're going to have every sporting club come yeah. to you and say, we want this and how much can you promise us? And, mm-hmm. and how do you deal with that? How do you... Yeah, so um, it's, it's, I think of it's like an Olympics project, you know, like it's a four-year cycle yep. and then you've got pre-poll, which goes for two weeks at the okay. end. And uh, so it, state politics is good from that perspective because it's a much easier career in that sense to plan for whereas with the federal government yeah, you know three cycle, three cycle and you, you can go earlier or later yeah. um so that actually helps it's actually hopefully going to be easier this time because i won't be running my business at the same time because we sold our yeah. business so yep. um that is a big load off my mind um so it'll actually be hopefully easier do you think it'll be easier because you're known or harder because you're known um I think it's easier in one way because you get invited to things, which as a candidate yep. you spend a lot of time getting Trying invited to. Get to. Into. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, but obviously, yeah, you have to stand on your record. So you can't just take people on trust. You have to be able to show that you've de- delivered yep. um, and that you've listened to them. And, you know, it's, it's about managing relationships with people because there's some people that are, you know, never going to be happy with whatever's happened to them. And I've tried to help everyone that's come to me, but there will be people that we couldn't actually get a win for. So in my my mind, there's like a win-win and then there's a, a loss-win where they maybe they didn't get what they wanted, but hopefully they actually understand that they got the best they could have got, yeah, you know, okay. or that I gave it everything I had. Um, so you sort of have to do that. Hopefully there's no lose-lose where they didn't get what they wanted and they didn't feel that we helped yeah, them enough. Yeah, had to go. Okay. Yeah. When is the next election? 23rd of March. 23rd of March. So you got a little bit of time. Yeah, not when do much. You, when do you start to get into election mode or are you already in it? Yes, already starting. I've, did, I've done some door knocking already. Um, last time my campaign was 15 months. Uh, wow. So it was really long, but I probably didn't start actively until about four, 13 months or something like that into it. Um but yeah, it'll there'll be a week off over Christmas, and then pretty much keep From going. From then on, Mar- yeah. all the way to March, eh? Yeah, and it's just you know calling, door knocking, talking to people, you know, so doing mobile th- offices. So before you get into it, mm. what are the big platforms? Do you think for us here in Maitland, what are you going to be working on in, in that? Look, I think it, election cycle. Yeah, I think the hospital Hospital's delivery still number one. will be number one. I mean, we've got a policy around nurse to patient ratios. Okay, um, and that I think is a really good policy. Uh, that you know is going to help people because we don't want to get a new hospital with not enough staff to um, see people, um, and then of course we're going to be looking at infrastructure. We we have to, and this is the thing with the um, budget process. So every election commitment has to be costed. Okay. So it means that it, you know an elect a, a candidate can promise like happened a few years ago in Penrith, one of the Libs promised like half the state budget in their electorate. <laughs> and uh, you can't do that anymore because the Parliamentary Budget Office actually reviews everything. So so how much did Maitland, how much would we get as our allocation? Well, it, it's not done on that. It's, it's done, done on that. need. And okay. so um, obviously there will be, you know, Look, commitments that have to be made. So will, will you and whoever runs for Liberals or Greens or whoever, will you get that number beforehand? Oh, no, 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 no. It's not a, it's not a set amount. So Sorry, set amount. no, no, yep. no, no, no set amount. But it's just like from the political parties, if they promise a $500 million project, they have to have that $500 million from Can't another afford. project or yep. consolidate revenue or whatever. So... I've just been working on domestic violence policies at the moment, for example. Yep. So there's like 
49 policies that the sector have put up. So that's been costing them, putting them all through. So does that, does that involve you getting involved with other members going, yeah. hey, could we, Port Stephens, yeah. if we put this here in Raymond yeah. Terrace or something like that that'll service both areas and we share, co- is there stuff yeah. like that that goes uh, on? Well, I mean, I guess things like the hospital, that would be similar. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, more it's like just working out what we've got and then it all goes to the, like, whatever our asks are, they go to the um, Shadow Minister and then they go to our expenditure review team, which is within Cabinet, and then they just make a decision um, based on, you know, what it is. Because the Shadow Minister's got an idea about what's happening across the whole state, can look at where the resources need to go. How much does the the Greater Labor Party control what you do or how you do things? Uh, like the party offers, you mean? Yeah, so Labor will put down a policy direction or a, or an instruction. Can mm. you... How much legway is there in that or do you get to just run your uh, own show? Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, we we bind on things in the Labor Party and, yep. and, you know, you'll hear other parties say they don't, but they do. Like, you know, I've been in Parliament a long time. The only thing that the government um, had a real split on was the Greyhounds. Yep. Um, but there's been a lot of other bills there they could have. Um, oh, and then of course the safe access zones. But um, yeah, my view is we've got a broad platform which covers everyone's lives essentially. You're not going to implement everything on day one. You're not going to win every fight yep. on day one. So there's some policy things where you think I'm not 100% happy with that. But You've got to look at the value propositions and things like that underneath it. Um, and I think what I've actually found in practice is that everything, every position that we've had, um, I've seen that it was the right decision to make at the time, given all the constraints or all the issues that were going on. And normally where there's things where you do think about it, like, is this really the right way to yeah. go? Yeah, have you had any of those instances where the party's going to vote down this line, but oh, I don't know if I really want to vote down that line? Well, I think your first response sometimes is like that. Yep. You know, you think, mm, OK, like, you know, for example, the greyhounds, that's one of those things. Yep. Like, nobody likes animal cruelty. But when you look at the bigger picture of that, banning a whole industry is not the way to do it. If government fails to regulate... You can't just ban the industry. You've yeah. got to enforce the regulations and you've got to make sure that the, the parameters are set up so that they are correctly operating. So you can make an issue, um, you know, look at it from a, a number of points and you can always make it come out one or other ways. But what I find is the ones that are difficult to make that decision where you do think, mm, then you realise, okay, well, there actually are a number of ways of looking at it. They're complex problems. You know, there's there's simple problems, complex problems, and then there's wicked problems. And there's some that are really hard to yeah. go on. And, and with those, you just might say, well, that's something that, you know, I know people are going to support me for the other things that I want to do in government. This is one that I'll go with. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but there's never been... I've never been in a situation where we've put up something where I haven't seen that there was value in our position and that... It's something that we should actually be endorsing. Yeah, you know? okay. Very mm. good. Well, let's talk about pre-political Jenny. Yeah. Because I think you're, I think you're a little bit like me. I think yeah. you're a, an implant. I don't think you grew up here, did you? No, 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 no. But I was grown to love the place just yeah. like me. Yeah, I was born in Canberra. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I was, um, which is actually interesting for Maitland because. At the time I grew up in the 70s in Canberra, it was growing really rapidly, yep. as we are. So a lot of the infrastructure stress, you didn't have it in Canberra because it was actually planned Already as a there. greenfield site. Yep. Um, whereas here, I think we're seeing it that it's just quite haphazard and 
Um, so that's something that I am able to compare and contrast with a lot, which I think is good. Um, but yeah. Uh, so what did you do? So you went to school? Yeah. What, what was your first job after school? Tell us about your career. Uh, I actually, I love jewellery. I yeah. really love jewellery. So I worked at Angus and Coop. Yep. And then I uh, went and worked for... Oh, they come so you were selling diamond rings? Yep. And um, I loved it. I'd see people for their engagement, their wedding, their yep. christenings. Fantastic. And then... Um, were you I, studying at the time? Yeah, I went to uni. I went to ANU, did a Bachelor of um, Arts in Psych. Yep. And then uh, I did a grad dip in applied psych so and counselling. step me back through that. So... Yep. Why is Jenny from Canberra yeah. doing a Bachelor of Arts in Psych? What, what was the motivation? We went, okay, I'm going to do that because I want to do <laughs> this career or was it just a, those subjects fit with me? Why, why did you choose that degree? Um, actually, I, I originally applied for law, but I was not strategic at all in the way that I did it because I no one in – my mum had started uni back in the 70s but didn't finish – and um, my dad had done other education but um, not gone to uni. So I was like, I kind of, there wasn't anyone else who I could strategize with. Yeah, yeah, I was the same. I, was, I yeah. think I'm the first McGregor to have a degree. Yeah. So um, anyways, so then I just thought, okay, I want to do law and I only want to go and get it at ANU and I forgot about So you university. just wanted to stay close to home? Yeah, but I mean, I could have gone to University of Canberra. Yeah, down there. Yep. And I didn't apply and I and I would have got in by probably 20 marks or something. I missed out by less than 1%. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think, I can't remember, eight, I was like 92.5 or not, I don't know. So high. why law? Why did you want to do law? Um, social justice. Yep. Just wanted to do the right thing by people, like, you know, give people yep. that needed help or support. Uh, anyway, and I probably watched too much LA Law also. <laughs> so, yep. um, but anyway, I didn't get in. So then I started studying, and I went to uni, and I st- had psych as one of my courses, and I also wanted to do politics. And then the Berlin Wall went down in '89, and the Tiananmen Square happened, and basically politics. It was like just don't study it for the next couple of years because. It's just all changing too quickly. Well, that was my yeah, view. Okay. I mean, it probably would have been a really exciting time to do it. But mm. I just... Anyway, the courses I wanted to do, they were just lots of flux. And then I was really drawn to the psychology. And I'd read... Like, I loved reading books like, you know, Sybil about multiple personality disorder and all these sorts of things. And I was... Again, it was about helping people. Did you have a career in mind when you were studying it or...? Oh, I hoped to be a psychologist. You wanted to be a psychologist, yeah. yep. But towards the end of my degree, I got um, accepted into the public service. Yeah, okay. And I worked in immigration. And then I found what was kind of my dream job and it was actually called social justice coordination. So did you finish your degree? Yep. Yep. I did that part-time. Yeah, okay. So while you were end. working? Yeah, yep. good. And um, and then at one stage I actually had a job in the jewellery shop at the same time as well. So I was working full-time <laughs> in the public service. Sundays I'd do... Saturdays and Sundays, I think, for a while. I did the jewellery shop and then I was studying. I was insane, really. Wow. Um, and then I did my grad dip. <coughs> so there was no going to the uni bar for uh, Jenny? Oh, didn't have time. <laughs> you didn't no, have time. No time. And, uh, yeah, so I just did all that. And then it was great actually working and studying. It was it made me hone my skills a lot better, I, I talked to a lot of people about that. I, I, I didn't... I worked. I worked mm. in a, a furniture store and in retail like you've yeah. done. <coughs> but I wish... That's probably one thing I wish. I wish I'd actually worked in a business, more of a business yeah. environment or something that was relevant, more relevant to my studies. Yeah. Probably would have accelerated my studies better. Mm. Um, so by doing what you did, is I think it's a really good thing. Mm. 
but yeah, so that was that. And then I worked in refugee law for a little while um, in immigration. And then I. So what were you doing for refugee law? Step us through that. Oh, that was it. Was pretty harrowing. It was only an admin position, but um, basically I had a bunch of refugee lawyers in the department, and I had to read all the cases and classify them with keywords. So you're reading refugee cases. Yeah, that'd be um, hard to read. Yeah, it was pretty hard, and um, yeah, that was just. Like, you learn to deal with a lot of things like what they call compassion fatigue, where people kind of tend to make things relative. So yep. this isn't as bad as that because that's just horrendous, yep. you know. Um, so, but it actually was, um, I think, good preparation for the work in the DV space. Like, yep. you know, the trauma is yeah, similar. Yeah, and yep. real and similar, yeah. Um, so I did some stuff there and then I went into an area which was settlement planning, which was looking at policies to help migrants um, better settle into life here. And uh, and I went then into a... Uh, this is one thing I'm really not good at, which was um, review of migration decisions because I'm... You know how some people... Like, you know it from recruitment, right? Some mm-hmm. people are includers and some people are excluders. I'm an includer. So if I see Same. 10 applicants... They're all great and they all should all have a chance. And immigration doesn't work like that. Same with recruitment. It's really yeah. hard. It's, it's, it's the hardest part of my job. Mm. I love helping people and that's why yeah. I do it. And I want to help everyone. And the reality is we can't. Yeah. But we help them in other ways. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. So, you, you mentioned that it was your dream job, social mm. justice mm. In, in the department. Um, and then you weaved your way through other mm. areas. So, why did you weave your way if you were in your, your dream job? Or did it just keep... The challenges just kept coming. What was the reasoning there? Well, I was. It was about like getting promotion and getting substantively in that position. Yep. So there were. It took a while for them to recruit permanently to that role because I was pretty young. Like I was, oh, I would have been like twenty-one to twenty-six when I was there, yep. and I was working at the same level as my mum. Mm-hmm. In you know, he'd been there for a while. So I was kind of going pretty fast, but I had to wait for the substan- like the proper yeah, positions yeah. to be free. So it was a bit of that. But then I also was um, involved in the union for CPSU and I got offered a job and um, I went and asked to be released. Like back in social justice, heading up the women's unit, I was like so excited. And then they came and said, no, actually, we can't have you. And Why? Well, no explanation, but... I don't know why you offer someone a job and then you take the job away from them. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, and I'd already asked to be released. Like it was a real offer. Yeah. And uh, and then after that I went, okay. Because John Howard had taken over. A lot of senior public servants were sacked as seeing being part of too much labour. But I mean, I'd never... I wasn't at that level of yep. the department. Um, but I think because of my union... Um, background or just because I was a union because I had a really good relationship with the deputy secretary of the department you know if they had issues with um you know people not getting on I they knew I'd be fair and I'd you know just work to get a resolution for the worker um but that particular branch head must have just decided they didn't want to go there yeah okay so then where did your career take you so then I went to work for a member of parliament for about uh 18 months and uh, he was my local member. Canberra had gone from sort of two seats to three and it was going back to two, so he was not going to be there for long. Okay. But it just gave me a break out of the service for a while. And um, then I went to a party and I met Robert. And met a man. <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't know, I just had a, you know, one of those moments when I just... He just looked so happy when I met him and I thought, yeah, <laughs> I, wanna, I want some of that. I want to be happy. Yep. 
And um, anyway, so he, he was from a little town out west. Is that right? Oh, uh, uh, north, northwest, northwest, really. Okay. Um, so not that far west. Yeah, Walker near Armadale. Yep. And uh, so 1,600 people there. So when I was working at Parliament House, there were 2,000 people in the building. Yep. And in Walker, there were 1,600. How was that? Was that so a shock? A bit of a shock. It was. Um, and when I look back on it now, I think, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. Like, I didn't even have a job when I went there. I just said, oh, yeah, I'm going to go. And then, you know, obviously his parents said, do you want to work in the business? And I went, oh, yeah, okay. And actually the local paper offered me the editorship. Yeah, okay. So, but I didn't take that up. So tell us about the business. So it was what was the business? So they had a motel and they were doing package tours and um, what sort of tours are around Walker? Uh, so they just made them up basically. Yeah, right. So there was beautiful waterfalls there, Apsley Falls, um, Tyre Falls. There's some beautiful um, farms there. Goswick is this beautiful Anglican church that's covered with Virginia creepers. Beautiful. Um, and then they just get local farmers to shear a sheep and yeah, okay. make a scone and, yep. you know, all that sort of stuff. And um, they did a tour. They used to have the New England experience and then it was so popular they had people coming back. So they had a been before tour. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so because we just realised there was like about 14 days yeah, of itineraries. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. And so you were there for a little while, but then what happened? What brought you here? So I was expecting um, Josh, our son, and uh, and. It, I know it was just getting so hard because Bruce and Elaine, Robert's parents, were away all the time on the buses. I was managing the motel when they were away. Robert was away with the buses, and it was just, just impossible to get chefs. And I can't cook, so <laughs> you got a fifty-seat restaurant, twenty-unit motel, and two coaches, and they're all just getting at capacity. And um, it was actually starting to impact on the business at the motel because people could never get in because the coach tours were there. So we said, where will we go? And I didn't want to go further away from Canberra because it was eight hours from mum and dad. Yep. Um, so then, I don't know, for some reason, I think Robert's brother was living here. I was going to say, so why didn't you choose Canberra? Oh, no, no, not enough retirees. Okay, Everyone's so you needed work. some retirees. Yeah, most of the market was in Sydney and, yep. Ma- and Newcastle. So, um, yeah, we just thought we, if we're around here and we didn't want to, none of us wanted to go to Sydney... So we said, okay. And good choice. We just liked it. Yeah, it was yeah. good. Still had a bit of country. And actually, one of the things I really noticed when I came here, to, you know, 20 years ago now nearly, um, was that a lot of people from places like Tamworth, Armadale, moved into Maitland. It's sort of like the next step. And then you go to Sydney or you do whatever you're going to do or you go back, you know. Yeah. But it's a good staging. Sort well, of I find most people's career location travel is around kids. Yeah. So they'll... They'll go to Sydney or London or wherever, yeah. get some experience, work really hard, meet a guy or meet a girl, yeah. a couple of years later start a family and want to be closer to family so then they either come back to the Hunter or yeah. Walker or wherever they are. Yeah, yeah. Well, we um, we, we just didn't think it was going to be that quick to have kids. Yeah. <laughs> we were hopeful but we were lucky. But, yeah, so we didn't do a lot of, um, you know, going around because we, we could have done that. Like there was lots of places, really remote locations, um, for bushwalking and stuff like that, which would have been great to do, you yep. know, live on a, you know, experience kind of destination tourism. Uh, but, yeah, we didn't get to do that. And so we sold the motel, which we all loved, <laughs> doing that, selling it, because uh, it's a pretty full-on life. Yep. Um, and then we just did the two buses and we started in our front bedroom. And then we moved, we all just shared up the back and then, um, so that was in 2000. So we moved in, Josh was about six weeks old. And um, then in 2000 and... That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love it. We were the same. We had <laughs> one baby, one baby on the way. Yeah. 
decided to start this business. Mm. The dumbest time on earth to do it, but it's worked out so well. I'm yeah. so thankful and glad we did. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. And the kids loved it. Like, yeah. They just, yeah, they really enjoyed the business. Well, before we move, to water, let me ask you about that question. Yeah. Do you think your kids are inspired by what you do now? <laughs> I don't know. It's hard because they're teenagers. Yeah, I think they are to a degree. They um, Sometimes if I'm speaking in parliament on something... So you're not they'll... the embarrassing mum? Oh, like, sometimes oh, no, I think mom, I no, mum, what did you say? Yeah, no, I know. They're not like that. I mean, they're really good kids. And yeah. But it is like, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm hopeful that my girls look up to yeah. me and go, wow, my dad's creating yeah. his own path and he's, he's doing yeah. what he loves. Mm. They're obviously seeing you do what you love. Um, yeah, I just wanted to know if you think yeah. they're inspired by that. Yeah, I don't know about inspired. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's a hard question, actually. But I know they... Yeah, I think they, maybe they are. They're proud of me. I'm sure they are. Yeah, I just... <laughs> it's hard to say that, you know? Like, I don't... I don't think of it like that. But my thing is... Because you kind of get to this space where you are away and, you know, yeah. you see the other side of it that they, you know, do things that by themselves because you're not there to do it. So there's always a cost in that. Um, but you were saying yeah. before your travel business, you were away yeah. a lot anyway, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I'm probably home... I don't know if I'm home more now or then, but I'm, yeah, it's, I think I'm away probably a bit more now, actually. Because the little business that you set up, like you said, mm. it was started in your, your front office and yeah. then you expanded and yeah. then you moved it to Thornton. Um, it, it became a global yeah, yeah, travel agency as well as tours, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. And like we had 40,000 people in our database at one yep. stage, um, obviously because they're older people that are in Australia. Um, but there was probably, I think, Oh, it's about 3,000 people in Maitland. Yep. That was the funny thing about politics. I thought I knew everyone in Maitland. <laughs> I thought, you know, I've been in the community, been doing things, I've had this business. Scratch the surface. Nothing. Yeah. Like, in pre-poll, there were 7,000 people went through in the two weeks. So, I met most of those people. And on um, election day at Rutherford, there were 5,000 people. So, in two weeks, I basically shook hands with yep. probably, on average, around 10,000 people, I'd say. And um, it... So many people I didn't know. Yeah, it was cool. mind-blowing. And actually it broke my brain because I've always had really good, you know, face yep, recognition. recognition. And I just, for about six months afterwards, I just couldn't remember. I'd see people and i think, if I met you. And then I'd find out I'd met their cousin or their, yep. someone who looked like them. But, mm. <laughs> and so tell me about, so you made that ultimate decision, like you said, yeah. in that election. Yeah. You were trying to be CEO and, and run yeah. for... And I suppose, were you doing that as a... Cause you're not guaranteed to win, are you? No. So I've got to stay in that job because if I don't win this um, parliament seat, then I'm going yeah. to have to go back to the job. Yeah. Um, tell me that moment where you went, okay, I've got to, I've got to make a choice now and just be the parliamentarian. And, and how hard was it to walk away from the family business? It was really hard. And we did um, campaign. Most of it was like we didn't have a separate office. It was at the, um, the office that we had in the business. We paid rent, so it was all above board. Um, but um, it was really hard because it, it's like building a sandcastle on jelly is the only way I can describe it. Yeah, right, yeah. It's just no foundation, nothing's certain, and you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And particularly in that election, because Robin Parker, the former member, had announced... Well, she was there. She hadn't... Um, she was the only um, hunter... 
uh, MP at that time that didn't have a cloud over them from ICAC and then she got called in for questioning but so there was sort of all that ICACing was going on and like some of my colleagues you know um, in Newcastle in um, Charlestown had to go to early um, elections because of that so you never knew what was going to happen and I mean I knew Robin personally and I didn't think that she would be an issue but it just you didn't know what was going to go on we were yeah, shocked it was going to affect the electorate yeah yep. and we were shocked by all of it and then she announced she was going to retire so then i had a few months where i didn't have any yep. one to run against me and then um philip penfold i think then put his hand up after he'd said he wouldn't so then that was sort of like so the strategy had to keep changing and yep. then i think in the december the liberal party pre-selected steve thompson yep and so then that so it was just this movable feast like you couldn't just set okay this is the candidate that I'm going against yeah and I mean I'm actually glad because I didn't have as a strategy going against any of those people so my strategy was just get out get known talk to people find out what the issues are and work with that and I'm so glad that that was it because if it had been based on trying to bring someone down mm. once they're gone so what if you were you going got? against Robin for example that yeah. might have been a strategy yeah, yeah, and then what would you have afterwards? And that's kind of how I would... I mean, there's no... I don't think there's any announced candidates for this state election now. We're sort of six months out again. But um, I just think it's it's got to be about what you're going to do. And yep. one of the things that concerns me is when we have a debate around just tearing the other side down, I think it's got to be about more than that, you know, but like at the personal level, like I can say that the party policies are not things that I think are good, but I think everybody who comes in to stand for public office, they have at some level they want to do good for the community. Yeah, so absolutely. you have to respect that, I think. Yep. All right. So we've got a time machine in our yeah. podcast. Yeah. So it's called the Career Conversations <laughs> Time Machine. Yeah. So we rewind the clock to 20-year-old Jenny. Yeah. So if you could give her advice today, given all the knowledge you have now, what would you tell her? Um, I think it would be talk to more people about your career, what you're going to do. Yeah, right, yeah. get some and career advice. Yeah, Good. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing. And it's interesting because I've been having this discussion with my own kids because one's yep. just about to start HSC and one's just finished and neither of them have got a clear idea of what they want to do. Do you know what? That's okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's all good. But um, I think it's, yeah, just and backing myself and just realising that everyone's anxious actually about performance i um was listening to um tracy spicer yeah okay yeah that's right and um she was talking about imposter syndrome when she was a weather girl and you know she fainted twice yep and i just think there's lots of times when i've been in a room and i've wondered did i deserve the the right to yeah, be there. Yeah, absolutely. And, I and think, we've all been there. Yeah, and I think... That's you, the lesson, isn't it? Yeah, you have to back yourself yeah. and say, well, you're there because you deserve to be. And yeah. it's interesting because I, I often find myself in a position of leadership, like in every job that I've had, really, and it's because I don't think about that now. I think about, you know, what needs to be done, and I just do that. Whereas I think it's easy to second guess yourself. And I, when I was younger, I think I, I still did the work and that's sort of how I got ahead, but I think I'd be easier on myself than I was then. Yeah, okay. 
Good advice. Yeah. All right. Well, thank, thank you, Jenny, for joining us on our podcast. It was great to have you here and yeah. good luck in your next election. <laughs> thanks for having me. Cheers. A special thanks to our guest today, Jenny Aitchison, member for Maitland. We know how busy your time is and we thank you for giving up your time to have this conversation, but it was great. You're open and honest and authentic chat telling us about why you're passionate about what you do and and how it is to be a politician. Jenny's very active on social media and if you'd like to start a conversation with Jenny, you'll find her on social media at Facebook and Twitter and she's also on LinkedIn and we'll throw those uh, links into the uh, show notes on our webpage where you find all of our podcasts which is at www.hrgroup.com.au slash podcast. If you like our podcast, please subscribe either at SoundCloud or on Apple Podcast. If you're searching for them on Apple, just search Career Conversations or Hunter Recruitment Group. Until next time, I'm Craig McGregor.